morning. And uh, just before we dive into this, we're in our heading into our third week of prayer and fasting. We started on uh, the third and uh, been going through, so we're, we're two weeks into this. This is our last week. Next Sunday, uh, Brother Eddie Rents is going to be here ministering. And so I just really sought the Lord, how can I tie a knot in this message that I've been preaching on alignment to us? Because the purpose of prayer and fasting is just that alignment. How many have ever made a New Year's resolution? New Year's resolutions are based on the fact that you look at your life in the natural, say, you know what, I, I need to get things back on track. I need to realign my life. I need to get this into order. I need to make this in order. I need to make this change. That And the purpose is to get things back in the order or in the position that they need to be in life. And so it's, it's an alignment. Resolutions are alignment decisions that we make. And so when it comes to God, there are times that we need to make alignment decisions in our life. We need to give time to make sure that our life is lined up with His Word. Because like our cars, as we shared the first week, we, we get in place, you go through life, and the alignment on your car gets out. And so it starts pulling to the left or to the right, and you're, you're having to exert pressure to keep it on course and on track. Or else you end up, I, I like the one with the wacky wheel that was in the video where you get in your car and you, you know, you're going straight, but your wheel is like this. And the little logos up this time. Is it always like that? Yeah, but I'm going straight. It's cool. Nothing's wrong. It, it, it's an indication. If it's like this, it's not okay. Amen. And so something's happening there. And so, and, and then the other part is that we get that shaky wheel, and we're just going like this. And so all those different things that are happening, and then all that creates is excessive wear on our tires. Things wear out faster, and that's what happens to us spiritually. The same things happen. We'll feel things pulling us left to one side or the other. One, we're trying to serve God, but I'm getting pulled in this direction. I'm getting pulled in that direction. I feel like my life, you know, I just get up every day, kind of half tilted off center, and then just go ahead and fix this, or I just. You know, what's all this shaking? It seems like everything's shaking in my life. And so prayer and fasting and seeking God, aligning our life. And we just have to, you know, to get your car lined, you just have to take it in and bite the bullet and pay the price. You could try to do it yourself, but pretty much you got to pay the price. Most of the stuff that we try to do ourselves, we're just trying to save ourselves some money because we're being cheap. Amen. And so, now just pay the price. Just bite the bullet. Get in there, pay the price, and, and make it happen. But, but then we bring that same attitude over to God. God, I, I, don't, I can fix my life. I don't need to pray. I don't need to fast. I, I don't need to t- let the Holy Ghost take over and do the repair on my life. I'm a trained mechanic myself. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> so, but prayer and fasting, getting in there, there's no cheap way to serve God. There's never a cheap way to do things right, to live right, to do the right thing. But it's always worth the price. Amen? I don't know about you. How many like a good sale? I like a good sale. I like going shopping with my wife. She doesn't like me to go. Because she's a shopper. I'm a buyer. Those are two different animals altogether. If I go shopping, I'm going to buy. She's going to experience. I'm going to buy. She'd look at everything, try everything on, buy four pairs or four different kinds. Of, we're buying sheets now for our house. We get nonstop packages of sheets coming to the house. 
how do you get two of each color or one of each color, two different? Well, I got these. If I don't like these, I compare them, I take them back, and then I'm doing this, or I'm making all the chips. I'm going, well, this is it. But it's an experience for her. It's like a game show. It's awesome to go and watch and that. And she goes through this whole process. But when I go with her, then I just walk in the store and I start finding stuff. So she's taking a pair of Levi's back to the Levi store. And uh, so I go in with her. We're on our way down to do something else. And so uh, I am, uh, I'm in there, but as soon as I find myself at the clearance rack, Amen. And uh, so I'm over there. Next thing you know, there's a pair of 501s that are 50% off. I go off the discounted price, 50% off the discounted price. I go, this is working cool right here. So I'm looking at a $19 pair of jeans. I go, this is awesome. Well, then I tried them on, but they had that little, they like, I don't know what it is with shrinking your ankles down, but it makes me feel weird if my, if my pants are hugging my ankles. So it looks like, I don't, I don't know you that well. And so it just like let go of my ankles and all that stuff. So I'm like, hey, so I had her take those back. But while I'm in there, they had this cool like coat and I'm looking looking at it. Well, they had this big sale going on all over the window. I said, are the coats on sale? I said, no. I said, well, hey, you mark this 50% off. I'll buy it right now because I'm cheap and I'm not buying it not on sale. <laughs> I mean, know what I'm saying? But we try to do that with God. Everything else, if we want that discount cut rate. And it Life in Christ doesn't come at a discount. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39 is on the cover of your outline. He went a little further. Would somebody get Daniel an outline, please? My dear friend sitting here with that outline. Hallelujah. Uh, He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Not as I will, but as you will. But look at here is God's Son praying to His Father, saying, Father, if there's any other way to do this, could we do it that way? He's wrestling His will with the Father's will. Not as I will, but as you will. And we all experience that ourselves. And in that, we see the complete humanity of Christ. Hebrews 10 in the Message Bible says this, the plain fact is is that bull and goat blood can't get rid of sin. That is what is meant by the prophecy in the mouth of Christ when he declared, you did not want sacrifices and offerings year after year. You prepared a body for me for a sacrifice. It's not a fragrance of smoke from the altar that whets your appetite. So I said, here I am to do it your way, O God. The way it's described in your book. Father, this morning... Lord, we pray that in these next few moments that by your Holy Spirit you would come and open the ears of our understanding to hear truth in a way we've never heard it before, to see truth in a way we've never seen it before, and to receive your truth planted in our heart to bring forth the harvest of your word in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. So Jesus said, I just came to do it your way. And this part of the alignment factor that we're dealing with, last week we dealt with the cross. We just dealt with the beginning on, on the alignment of prayer and bringing that in and then our alignment to the cross. But this week I want to talk about the alignment of lordship in our life and how important that is. Uh, we hear a lot about Savior. We hear a lot about everything else. But we don't hear a whole lot spoken about the lordship of Christ, what it means to be under lordship and to be following his lead for our life look at the cover of your outline and uh, before we do that just turn to Matthew 26 just for a moment and I want to read this account with you we read one verse but I want to read the whole account with you this morning 
Matthew chapter 26 and beginning verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Listen, Jesus, the Son of God, is saying, My soul, my mind, my willing, I'm wrestling with what's before me in my mind, my will, and with my emotions. I'm wrestling with that. And the only way for me to beat this and, and to bring my soul into alignment with the will of the Father is going to be through prayer. And so he brings himself to that place and he's there. And verse 39, he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as what? You will. Then he came to the disciples and found them asleep and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? In the first service, I made my confession because there's been times when I've been at prayer and uh, I've knelt down or I've laid on the floor before the Lord and before long, my intention turned into a nap. Next thing you know, I'm just, I'm just resting in the Lord. How many know what I'm talking about? Do I have any, friend, any, do I have any honest people in the house this morning? Praise the Lord. And, and there's been those times, I don't know, maybe you're like me. Maybe you made that dedication. You know what? I'm going to get up early to make sure I have time to pray before I go to work, before I start my day. And you get up. You go to your place of prayer. I have a couple places in, in, in the couches and in a chair where I go to, but they all have pillows that you lean back against in the corner. So I kneel down and I put my face in that pillow. And then it isn't long before I wake up. The pillow's wet. My face is wet. And... Uh, <laughs> Do I have any other friends in the house? But somewhere I believe God and I were in fellowship through that whole thing. Amen. But, but, but like the disciples, we find Jesus going, hey, could you not tarry one hour? And see, it was urgent for him, but it was casual for them. It wasn't their urgency. And you and I have all had those times when we wanted somebody to pray, and we felt like the people we had asked for support were taking their nap. Amen. And we were fighting this battle all alone. But how many know when you're praying, you're never all alone? God's with you. Amen. He meets with you there. But I've had those seasons. I've had to repent of those seasons. So he comes and he finds him that way. In verse 41, it says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is what? So why do we fast and why do we pray? Because we want to strengthen. Our, I want to get a control over my flesh. Amen. I want to be in authority through my spirit. Verse 42, he went away again a second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass from me unless I drink it, your will be done. So here Jesus is submitting his will to the will of the father. He's coming under the headship of the father. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. I've been that person. So he left them and went away and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Father, if there's any way, let this pass. And you and I have all done that. We felt the will of God pressing us, leading us. And when we say, God, there, there's got to be another way. There's got to be an easier way. There's got to be a better path. There's got to be other people to work with. There's got to be other circumstances. This, this could be altered. There's got to be a way to make this work and still end up at the same results and the same destination. And God says, it's just this 
And we have to trust him and walk by faith in his will. Amen? And Jesus had to trust him all the way to the cross. Then he came to his disciples and said, Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands and sinner. Let us be going. See, who has betrayed me is at hand. That gets me. Because Jesus, knowing, didn't run away. The Bible says that he just gets up and he walks towards his betrayer. He knows he's walking toward. He knows what's coming. He's told his disciples, I'm going to be, be, be turned over into the hands of sinners. They're, they're, they're going to despise me. They're going to reject me. I'm going to be afflicted. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be crucified. And I'm going to die. I know what's before me. And he gets up from that time of prayer, that time of alignment with the Father. And he walks right towards his betrayer. Wow. I don't know about you. I want that in my life. I I, I want that conviction. I I want that steadfast, just confidence in God that I can walk right towards his will no matter what it means. Look at the cover of your outline there. The main goal and purpose of setting time aside for prayer and fasting is to align (coughs) our will with that of the Father's. Prayer is a great aligning factor in our lives. Prayer brings us back to the cross, which gives us our true north, as we talked about last week, by which we set our course and direction for life, and thereby aligning our heart and our will to His Lordship over our life. Or in other words, He becomes the helmsman of our ship, charting our course through life according to His eternal purpose and plan. So to come to God in prayer through the door of the cross requires submitting to the Lordship of Christ. Coming to prayer and having my will is not prayer. Coming to the prayer and doing what Jesus did and saying, Father, not mine, but yours be done, that comes through the cross. It sounds simple, but it is truly the most challenging aspect of life because it's a place where we must lay down our lives and take up the cross to follow Him. It's where we lay down the sovereignty of our will and yield to His Lordship over our lives. Wow. So let me give you this. I I didn't get it typed into your outline, but let me give you these three aspects of lordship. How does lordship work? What does lordship mean? Number one, if you want to write it on the back of your outline, if you have a pen, number one, lordship is Jesus exercising his authority over us through the word. It's Jesus, not making it up, but it is the declared word of God over our life. His authority is what's declared through his word. The Lord Jesus Christ never asks us to do anything that isn't in the word of God. Amen. When the gospels give us the account of him being tempted by the devil, he didn't make it up. He didn't say, I'm the son of God, get away. He said, it is written It is written, it is written, man does not live by bread alone. It is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and Him only. His authority and His Lordship is always the Word of God over our lives. Amen? Secondly, Lordship works when we acknowledge His Lordship over our lives through obedience to the Word. So when the Word speaks, we obey. That's Lordship. This word, amen. 
See, I can't. It's like Sean saying about loving his wife and doing that. We, we, we can't love in word and not love in deed. Jesus said like this, these people worship me with their mouth, but their heart is far from me. And so even Israel would go through this time, they would worship God, but then their actions were totally contrary to what they were doing. And so we live our lives in obedience to his word. We're under lordship when we have acts of obedience that agree with his word. And thirdly, our obedience to the kingship of Jesus is most clearly seen in the decisions we make. What's the sign of obedience? It's how we make our decisions. How many of you have ever had a bless God attitude? I have. I get them almost daily. Bless God, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Bless God, bless God. You know, something irritates you, something happens, and you just make up your own mind, your own decision. When Brother Hood was alive, my pastor... Um, he passed away four years ago this year, that, I mean this last November, and uh, when he was alive, I would always make my decision, and my lovely wife would go, have you called Brother Hood yet? I said, no, I got this one right. <laughs> says, well, you better check with Pastor. And I said, okay. So I would always call and run it by him, and many times he would say, um, well, son, you could do that and you would be okay, but since you asked my opinion, every time he added, since you asked my opinion... I said, all right. So I, and, and I would always defer to that, and it was always God's wisdom. I mean, know what I'm saying? And so he would do that. And so then I would flow that. It would all turn out all right. And now that he's passed away, God's let me make some decisions on my own. No, just <laughs> you still need a covering. Amen. Many people say, well, how come we went back and got affiliated with the assemblies of God? Because I do not like being on my own. I, I, I want a covering. I, I want somebody over me, somebody I can go to, somebody I can get counsel from, men and women of God that have leadership, proven qualities that I can go to. Hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? I, I need people that I can trust that when they say... Since you asked my opinion, I think there. And then I can follow that because I believe God gives us gifts. Amen. That work in our life. And so we, we look at our decisions. And, and I've shared this before, but when we were in Bieber, I just got upset, man. I was mad at pastoring there. The people didn't want to go in the direction I wanted to go. And many times you think you have conflict. And so I just got blessed, God. I don't have to be here. I can go anywhere I want. I can be successful. I have friends come in here and they see what we're doing. They say, Don, if you went someplace where there was people, you could reach a lot of people. And I'm living in a town, a little 500 people, and I'm going, yeah. I should be someplace where there's people, glory to God, not these stiff-necked, rebellious things. Now, don't look at me in that sanctimonious, pious, religious attitude. You've all done the same thing. Bless God, these people in my life. I'll tell you one thing. If I didn't put up these people, I'd be... Hello. And so anyway, in my bless God moment... I mean, then I'm ready to go, and I've made my decision. I'm out of here. I told people I'm leaving. I told our associate pastor he was getting ready to go out. I said, bro, you don't have to go out. I'm leaving. You can have the whole kit and caboodle. Amen. I mean, I was blessing God really good. And so then I'm in there, and I go into prayer, and I'm seeking the Lord one morning. And the Lord said, go to James chapter 4. I turned to James chapter 4, and it said, you ought to say if the Lord wills, I'll go to this town and buy and sell and make gain. I said, well, now you're meddling. <laughs> so I'm there, I'm going through that, and the Lord checks me out. And so I have to stay there a whole year. 
God keeps me there a whole year. I have to go back and tell the guy and say, man, I'm sorry. I miss God. My attitude's messed up. I got to stay here. And I felt like I'd become, you know, I felt like Joseph. I'm still in prison. But you're there. But your attitude is so important. If you lose your attitude, you'll lose your victory. And fasting and prayer and bringing your attitude back under the Lordship of Christ. And then I found out everything God was doing in me there was preparing me for here. And 17 years later, the thing they didn't want to do there, God enabled us to do here. And we opened the Lord's gym. We've been reaching our county. We've touched thousands of young people. Amen. But if I'd have lost my attitude and not kept my life aligned under God and submitted to His will, we'd have missed all of that. Sitting right there where Daniel is looking across the room, we had the banner that said, Opening Lord's Gym, Eldorado County. God, 17 years later, God said, I put it in you there for here. But when I was there, it looked like it wasn't working. Things weren't coming to pass because you don't understand what God is doing. His plan sees farther than the circumstance you are in at this moment. And when you keep yourself aligned with God, you keep yourself on track with God, and you'll get to the thing 17 years down the road that he was perfecting in you back there you had to go there to end up here there's no other way amen so the complete humanity of Christ is clearly seen in his submission to the will of the father over his own it was something he had to do by choice and not by force for you and I to live for God it comes by choice God is never going to make you listen to Jesus praying agonizing he wanted to do it another way not my will father is there any other way I don't like this I'm not in agreement if there's any other way trying to negotiate with God but then saying yes to the will of God and it was not by force John 10 verses 17 and 18 is there in your outline therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again no one takes it from me but I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. The Message Bible says it like this. This is why the Father loves me. Because I freely lay down my life. And so I am free to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own free will. I choose to do that freely out of my will, not anything. And so Jesus, all man like you and I, says, I'm choosing. I love you, and I'm choosing to give my life for you. I choose to take your sin. I choose to take your reproach. I choose to bear your shame. I choose to carry your sickness. I choose to break your burden. I choose to destroy your yoke, and I will carry it all the way to my cross. It's not what I would do, but it is the only way that it can be done. So I choose God's will over my desire I freely do that here again the message Bible the plain fact is true that the blood of blood that the blood of bull and goat cannot rid us of sin that is what is meant by the prophecy put in the mouth of Christ you don't want sacrifices and offerings year after year you prepared a body for me for a sacrifice it's not fragrance and smoke from the altar that wet your appetite So I said, here I am to do it your way. 
And prayer and fasting brings us into alignment where we just quit arm wrestling with God. Amen. And we just say, I will do it your way. See, lordship is the fundamental truth of our salvation. No man can accept Jesus as Savior without accepting him as Lord of his life. It's a solemn truth that many miss. So they try to live for Christ only to find themselves in an arm wrestling battle with God. What is that? You go to prayer, and God, I don't want to do it. And you're just wrestling. You're trying to talk with God like you're going to convince him. You have a better plan. How many ever arm wrestle with your grandpa or your dad or something? You growing up, guys. You're in there, and you're like, yeah. And they're like faking you out, going, oh, you're so strong. <laughs> and you're like, and then they go, eh. and then they just hold it right there. And you're like going through all the time, pushing your foot against the wall. You're doing everything, and it's not moving. Some of you, that's your prayer life. And how come? Because you're arm wrestling with God. You don't trust his lordship. And so we, we have a time where we just realign. See, I find that I don't need real re- resolution, that any time I bring my life back into alignment with God, I make better choices with my body. I eat better. I make better choices with my finances. I make better choices with my time. I make better choices in my relationship. I don't have to make a, I just have to have one resolution. My will is to do the will of the Father who sent me. Because you're sent by God. We all are. How many would agree this morning? So look at it. Say, we move. Many feel paralyzed in their walk with the Lord and are missing their supreme opportunity because largely in the church, we've committed the blasphemy of, of insisting that what is so costly for God shall come easy to us. I shared it with you last week. Think about it. In the beginning was the word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. In the unbegun beginning, before time, was God and the Word. And in that place, the Word chose to become flesh to redeem you and I. And the moment the Word became flesh, His eternal state was changed for all of eternity. The word became flesh. When Jesus was resurrected and he ascended to heaven, he did not turn back into the word. He remains the son of man and the son of God. And he's seated by the right hand of the father. When he said, Mary, put forth your hands. Thomas, look, the spirit does not have there. So the word changed its glory. In John 17, he prayed, said, Father, restore me the glory that I had with you in the beginning. He missed it. He gave. It cost him his eternal position of glory to be changed for all of eternity to come as man for you and I wow and so what little it might cost me in saying yes to him for second Corinthians 8 says that he who was rich became poor so that you and I through his poverty might be made rich So Jesus changed his glory, took on everything so that we, through his sacrifice, would be made whole. Wow. Come on, I can do anything for God because of love like that. Amen? Look at this with me, if you would, this morning. So the alignment factor of prayer and fasting reminds me that there is a cost to follow Jesus. 
Last week we saw that in the rich young ruler. Lord, what do I have to do to inherit life? Oh, I did all that. Okay, now go do the one thing you lack. Oh, not that. Yeah. So then we go back. Could we arm wrestle over that? Yeah. We remember that the emblem of our faith is the cross. And the cross is the call to deny ourselves. And it is a taking up of our cross to follow Him. It's the loss of my life for the gain of His life. This is such a great exchange. Hallelujah. Belongs to us. Think about it. The gift of salvation is costly. It costs men nothing. And it costs men everything. It costs God more then heaven can declare it costs Jesus the cross and it costs everyone who would have him as their Lord the right to their self-life. You see, in Hebrew culture, Daniel and Adrian can correct me if I'm wrong, but in Hebrew culture, in biblical times, people were, became indentured servants. They got into debt, so they became a slave and, and paying off their debt. And so instead of credit card debt, you couldn't pay it off. There was no bankruptcy. You just became a slave. And, you became, and, and then you would work off your debt. And then once your debt, then, then you were redeemed. The debt was redeemed. You were free. And you could go free. And many times people would have a, an, an amazing master that, that they were the servant of and, and, and held their debt. And, and life was so good serving their master that now that they are free, they say, I don't want to leave your house. I choose to serve you for the rest of my life. I will become your slave of love. I will become a bond servant. And so the master and the servant would go to the gates of the city before the elders and the servant would declare his love for the master and at that moment his ear would be pierced at the gates of the city and he would be marked that for the rest of his life he is a bond slave to his master declaring that life in your house is better than any life I could make for myself. And when you and I, we become the bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ, because the book of Romans illustrates for what redemption is, and it says that Jesus came into the marketplace of sin, where you and I are held captive by the slavery of sin, and He pays the price of the ransom of our life with His life upon the cross. And then He sets us free, and now that we're free, He says, if you choose to follow Me, and so now we have to choose to follow him. And what we say is we say, I choose to follow you because I love you. And out of love, I will follow. We're not being dictated to. You are not made to serve him. God will never make you do anything. He invites you into his life, into his love. And he'll show you that life in his house will be greater than any life you would ever have on your own. Somebody ought to shout Amen. It's the same thing that a rabbi would do in the days of, of Christ. The rabbi would walk up and they still do it today. They would come up and they say, I want you to be my disciple. And then they would go and the disciple had to choose to follow the rabbi. But in following the rabbi, the disciple says, well, I no longer get to educate myself. I no longer get to train myself. Everything he says, I do. The way he eats, I eat. The way he walks, I walk. If he walks like this, I walk like this. If he wears these clothes, I wear these clothes. You go to Jerusalem today and you see all the different headsets. You see all the different types of clothing and everything. And they dress according to their rabbi. They're his disciple. Are you with me? Yes. But they're following by love. Are you doing all right? Yeah. 
And so they ascribe that. And so you and I, we follow Christ out of love. He doesn't make us do that. But we give up our self-life to be a slave of love. The love of our God and our Savior is truly indescribable, incomprehensible. It goes beyond what our minds can conceive. It is true, and it overwhelms our heart. God's grace comes to us through His amazing love for us, which calls us to repentance for remission of sins. Now that's a key of lordship. Lordship means I have to repent. Some of the things that we wrestle with are the stuff we don't want to give up and repent of. We want to try to sanctify sin, sanctify old behaviors and lifestyle. But to merely accept Christ on the basis of his love without complete repentance is a false hope. Because receiving Christ is not a matter of just accepting him with no strings attached. It takes more than that. We cannot accept, and, and Sean did a great job in that illustration with the offering. You don't get married and say, hey, I want, I want, I want to be your spouse. You know what? I want to have intimate time together and do all this stuff. And da, da, da. But, but I don't want any of the commitment that comes with it. I'll just show up every now and then, and we'll party together, and then we'll go on about our way. It ain't happening, buckaroo. That, that's not a commitment. That's a user. Do you understand that? It's a user. So we cannot accept Christ as the Savior. In fact, if you go back to that, that's what we miss. Because your life, my life in Christ, is just like them. Guys, stand up. Put yourself down. Stand up just for a minute. Okay, you guys get to get married. Let's do it. Right. Then you get to have a honeymoon. Woo! Okay, but what? You done yet? No. Hold <laughs> on. But what? But hold, hold both hands. Hold, hold both hands. Look in each other's eyes. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And then she cracks up. Huh? No. Okay. But see, in this moment, to be married, he makes a vow that declares everything he is, he's giving to her. She makes a vow that declares everything she is. She's giving to him. They completely give themselves to one another. In order to do that, they're no longer allowed a self-life. Everything behind them from this moment ends. And they are now giving their self-life. And the church is called the bride of Christ. Jesus is called our husband. And when you come to Christ, you make the same vow to Christ. You give your life to Him and you make a vow. The sinner's prayer is not just a prayer of get out of jail free card. It is the vow of giving your life to Christ and everything. And you're saying, I give up my old life. And now that we are one. Just hug each other for a moment. I know it's hard, but just go ahead and do it. You can't kiss. But, but you can kiss, do whatever you want. No, but not whatever. No, just kiss. But, but then, but then, okay, now, the, okay, now, okay, but stay together. Now, now they are one. Okay, now, now they're one. When, when you see him, you see her. When you see her, you see him. There's no distance. They are one. And now, what, you know what comes out of this union? New life. New life. 
God ordained that through this union and the giving, new life would flow. This union was to create new life. And when you and I give our life to Christ, we are married to our Lord and Savior, and we are joined to Him, and new life flows out of that union. And from that moment on, you are no longer seen as you. If any man be in Christ, you are seen as one with Christ. They are one name. There's a reason we change name, and the woman accepts the name of the husband. It's not a a, a cultural thing. It is a biblical principle. It is a covenant thing that you are now under the covenant of the name of the stronger one. And you come to Christ and you are now Christ. Glory to God. Everything he has is yours. And so you live yourself in alignment to that relationship because just like in a marriage, there are things that because when life comes, kids come. And you think you're God to them. And he isn't, I live here too. And so you have to have date nights. Yes, bring them all over the house. And so you have to, and you have to party like you just don't care. Sit down, amen. Because everything one day Everything you've let divide you will one day leave you. And all you will have left is each other. And in your walk with God, the things that pull you to the left and to the right are temporal. They're momentary. And they leave you. And you're left with just your relationship with God. And you must, you have to work to keep your marriage aligned. And you have to work to keep your heart aligned to God. Are you with me this morning? It is so important. I need the worship team to come back as we finish these last thoughts. Let me just say that if you do a word search, this is what you'll find. If you look up Lord in the New Testament, do you mean, I put it in your outline, 657 times. The term Lord is used in different contexts. But 657 times. Savior is used. People say, do you know Jesus as your Savior? I, I, really, I want to know, do you have Him as your Lord? Is Jesus Lord of your life? Because my Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of a Savior shall be... Is that what it says? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. My Bible doesn't say that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Savior. It says every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so Jesus says, why do you call me Lord? And so he is my Lord. And as my Lord, he is my Savior. But he cannot be my Savior and not be my Lord. So 24 times Savior is you. It's kind of like where we get it turned upside down. Everybody says, I'm a Christian. I could care less if you're a Christian. I want to know, are you a disciple? Because the term Christian is used three times in the New Testament. And the term disciple is used 257 times. 
So I wonder which one carries it. I think if I found out what a disciple was, I might qualify as a Christian. And if I live with an understanding of Lord, I might understand Him better as Savior. Are you with me this morning? I'm saying, why, why, why fast and pray? Why do all the pastor? Because alignment is so key. And if I get it, it's amazing. Think about it. Jesus declared the irreducible terms of discipleship. I mean, I, I, I had this old 61 pickup. I have to share that. I had this old 61 Ford pickup when we moved here from Bieber. It was awesome. Big long bed, step side. And it had a, had a, a, a 410 Merc in it. That thing was powerful. You, you could put it in granny gear. It had that farm granny gear. You just put it up there and compound low and get out, and it would just walk. It would walk up a wall by itself if you left it alone. But it was amazing. But the steering wheel, you're going down the road straight, but the steering wheel's going like this. And people look at you. They just think you're waving everybody. No, you're just hanging on for dear life. Down the freeway, 67 miles an hour, just like this. There's just so much play in the steering wheel. And you're just hanging on. And some of the times we see people in church, and we just think they're spiritual. <laughs> Honey, they're just hanging on for life. They're just holding on. I just hope I make I mean, they're, they're, they're in the truck. They got the pedal to the metal, and they're just, <laughs> Are you all right? Just hanging on. Lord to God, going to make it. Amen. Now think about it. But discipleship is not negotiable. It's not reducible. There can be no reception of Christ as Savior apart from a full commitment of oneself to Him. Because again, salvation costs men nothing and everything. Amen? The alignment factor of prayer and fasting is needed. To keep myself under the Lordship of Christ. So people ask, what's the big deal, Pastor? Let me put you like this, just life. Just life. Sometimes people ask me, I give counsel to people with their family and decisions and how they make it, especially teenage years with our kids or younger years with their kids. Especially when our kids become teenagers. Well, I think, I know, my, my kids are good kids, you know, they'll never make a bad decision. Okay, just live in that bubble. Because good kids make bad choices. Amen? And, and, and as a parent, as a parent, you don't always get to be their friend. Sometimes you have to be their parent. Amen. Jesus says, you're my friend. But he never gave up the position of lordship to be our friend. He's our Lord. He's my Savior. And he's my friend. And as Lord, He tells me what I need to know. Are you with me? And sometimes you need to be Lord of their lives. God's given us that responsibility. Well, I don't know if I could do that. And, and this is, I'll tell you the line I tell everybody. You don't know if you could do that with your kids? No problem. The only thing at stake is the rest of their life. Because when our children get pregnant in their teens, the only thing at stake is the rest of their life. When they get caught up in wrong behavior and they end up in jail or they end up with a record and then they're in that influence, the only thing maybe at stake is the rest of their life. Is it no big deal? You're right, no big deal. 
So what's a big deal about alignment, about prayer? Nothing, just life. See, the question is, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? That's what the rich young ruler asked. It's the question of the ages. See, more life and the fuller life is the desire of every heart. It is just such a life, abundant life and eternal life that God in grace designs to bestow upon all men is what John said. But what is eternal life? It is, is it more than mere endless existence? For all men from the beginning were created with eternal souls. When God created man, he made man eternal. You're here today. You're an eternal being. Little Danielle had, had baby serenity on Thursday. Little baby serenity. When, when, when that child was conceived and, and life began, it was an eternal soul that was birthed in her womb. You mamas in here that are pregnant, that's an eternal life on the inside of you. The only choice is where would that life and the quality of that life be? Think about it. It's our inalienable endowment as mankind, eternal life. It's declared in God's word regardless of whether we are saved or lost. So then eternal life must be and is a particular quality of life that emanates from God alone. Rather than mere extension of existence. See, most people want to, how do I live longer? You know, I watch it all the time. I Bill, uh, who's it? Steve Jobs. They had the movie out about Steve Jobs. He's a bazillion gazillionaire. Couldn't extend his life. All the people, all the money, have all the billions you want. You can't do it. Shalene Dion's husband, who said, passed away. Okay, you got all the money, buy all the health care. You can't extend your, you, you can't extend your, so eternal life has to be of a different quality than just extended existence. Are you with me? The fulfillment of his eternal purposes is seen in that God created man in his own image. What does that mean? He created us with moral intelligence and the faculty of spiritual initiative or violation, volition and will. Or in other words, you are a spirit being with the capacity of knowing your creator and sharing his life in all of its fullness. So we end with Joshua's declaration before Israel. As they get ready to enter the promise, or, or they've entered the promised land and they've taken their possession, he stands up before them at the end of the book of Joshua and declares, I set before you this day a choice, blessing and cursing, life and death. Choose life. Choose life. When Jesus said, I'm the door, what he says is, walk through the door into my life. In that same chapter in John chapter 10, he said, I have come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. 2 Corinthians 5, God was in the world, in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. And through Christ, we step through this amazing door into life with God. His life. His fullness. And we, when we pray, when we fast, when we seek God, we're out to align our lives to keep ourselves centered in Him. I want to live. I never, listen, anything you negotiate 
down with God. Any negotiation you make with God is a lesser life. A lesser life. And people, can I be saved and still? Yeah, go for the lesser. Go for it. Because I'm asking if I can hold on to. Can I be married and still? We just had it. I can be married and still. Okay, yeah, have a lesser than a full marriage, than a full life, than the full promise. Bow your heads with me this morning. Hey, what a great year this can be. I don't need a resolution. I just need an alignment. God, this year would be so amazing if I just kept myself aligned with you. If I kept my life centered on the cross. If I kept myself in a prayer of submitting to your Lordship, trusting you. I trust you. I can follow you. I trust you. If I let go of my debates with you, I just trusted you, followed you. could be an amazing, this could be the greatest year, Father, of my life. My friend, that's for you. you this could be your greatest year walking with God. I can take you all the way back to Genesis chapter 5. Amazing account. The genealogy of Seth. And in those days, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. And out of all of that, out of all that time, Adam is 900 years old. Adam, I back it up. Adam is 600 years old. Just about 600 years old. When Enoch is born. Seventh generation. And Enoch is born. And it says that when Methuselah is born. That from that day on. Methuselah is born when his son when Enoch was 300 years old and says for the next 65 years of his life Enoch walked with God and then he was no more because the Lord took him hey I want to walk with God I want my life I don't want to hold on to anything I don't want to arm wrestle with God I don't want to drive around with wacky wheel or shaky wheel or pull into the I'm just going to seek God and let Him align my life. Maybe you're here today and you've never made the choice for life, just life, to say yes to God. Maybe you've accepted Him as Lord, but if you haven't received Him as Savior, He can't be your Lord. So today I'm asking, how's Lordship in your life? Is Jesus Lord of your life? While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, my life needs some alignment. When it comes to Lordship, I need some alignment. 
Is there anybody in here that needs any alignment in your life? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you in the back. Anybody else? Thank you, sweetheart. Anybody else? Lordship. Anybody else? How's his lordship over your life today? Hallelujah. How's your alignment? Would you stand with me this morning? We're just going to sing this song. In these last couple of weeks, I haven't made a specific altar call for anything other than just your personal relationship with God. It is so, so important. And there's no greater healer, there's no greater correction that I can bring to my life that when I find myself before Him in prayer, letting go and saying yes to His Lordship over my life. He comes in and He covers us. And He moves with such compassion over our life. So today, as they sing, maybe God's spoken something to your heart. Maybe there's things God's been dealing with you with. Next week, Brother Eddie's here. We're moving on after that. But today, we have a moment right here before we go. To take a moment in His presence. To take advantage of Him here in our midst just to press in for a moment to this altar to find a place of prayer and to seek some alignment with God that we know needs to be done has he spoken to you about something is he pulling on your heart then when they sing I invite you to come just find a place of prayer let's take these next few moments and just give them to the Lord in Jesus name as they sing you come let God speak in your life Hallelujah. Father, I bless my brother today. Lord, I thank you for our kinship. Lord, like Jonathan and David, we're covenant brothers. We share your heart. We share your love. We share your bond. We share your word. Father, I pray your blessing over him, his life, his health, his family, Father, his home. Blessing, Father. Blessing, Father. Cause your face, your peace shine upon him. Keep him, Father. Lord, your word declares that you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind and heart is stayed on you. Father, I thank that you, his heart, he loves you, he honors you. Now bless him, Father, with your peace. In Jesus' name. Yes, hallelujah.
Let your name be lifted up and glorified. Let the earth tremble at your name. Are we having prayer tonight? Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna check with the. Are you guys coming down to the thing, or are you gonna be up here? You're gonna be up here. Okay. Will you come and help Wayne with prayer tonight? Okay, I'm going to check with them and make sure. I'll check with Michael and the Quita to make sure everything's okay. okay.